Hey everyone, welcome to Health Addicts. Before we get started though, remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I'm not your doctor. So if you have questions about the information and content on this show, ask your doctor, okay? Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wait, how many carbs am I really supposed to be eating? How much sleep do I actually need? Am I supposed to be even taking vitamins? Guess I better listen to The Health Health Addict Show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Health Addict Show. I'm your host, Tommy J, and we got a good episode today on fractures. And fractures are a very interesting concept because you're talking about something that's super strong, super stiff, very supportive to the body, and we have damage to it because we're talking about broken bones. And as we all know, bones are super important to us. They do so many things for us. I mean, first of all, they provide structure. Because think about it, if we didn't have anything that provides structure to us, we'd just be a sack of skin and organs on the ground. We wouldn't have any shape to us. Bones provide a shape to us. And without bones, we wouldn't even be able to move. Muscles need something to attach to, to anchor themselves to. So if they didn't have a point of anchor, we wouldn't even be able to move. It'd just be flopping around and contracting and releasing. There wouldn't be any movement to it. Bones are also a great place to store energy. We have something called yellow bone marrow inside the shafts of them. And that stores a lot of fatty cells that we don't use that we can burn off later. It's a great system. And even more important, there's a lot of vasculature that goes to the bones because our red blood cell production is made there. We have something called red bone marrow. And this is where all those little red blood cells are made that provide the carrier parts for oxygen getting into our blood system and carbon dioxide getting out. So without bones, we wouldn't even really be making a lot of red blood cells that we vitally need. And let's not forget too, bones provide protection. If you didn't have protection around your vital organs, they'd be susceptible to damage. Let's just create some context here. You have a very thick, hard skull and it protects your brain. Your brain is a very gelatinous material and very sensitive to damage. So any kind of pressure on that brain is actually destroying neurons. So without that hard encasing skull, your brain would be so susceptible to damage. I mean, don't forget about your rib cage. That protects your lungs and your heart and your liver and part of your kidneys as well. And also you have your vertebrae that protects the very, very sensitive spinal cord that you have. So bones provide a lot of features for us. We need them, we have to have them. Otherwise, we need other support systems like invertebrates have, because we are a vertebrate species. We need these bones. And it's not like we have a shortage of them. They make up 20% of the mass of the body. I mean, most of us have 206 bones in our body. It depends on the person, how they develop, because you have 270 at birth and how they fuse changes how many bones we have in the future so depending on how those bones fuse you can have more than 206 you could have less than 206 but the average person has about 206 bones in them and i know a couple of you are probably looking at your body like wait there's 206 bones in this body i can't see them well think about it your skull alone has 22 bones in it you have all these carpal bones in your hands that make up the wrist tarsal bones in your feet to help make it allow to move and flex and abduct in ways that it needs to So it's very important to have different types of bones to provide that abduction, deflection, and rotations that our body goes through because we have so many different ways that we move it, and this makes us such agile creatures. And think about it. Bones come in many different types. I mean, we have long bones like the femur humerus, short bones like your tarsals and carpals, flat bones like the skull and the sternum. 
sesamoidal, which is like your kneecap, the patella bone, a regular ones like the one in your spine. That So these bones come in different shapes because they do different processes. So it's great that we have this variety. So let's kind of talk about bones just a little bit more. I want to paint a big picture for you so you can kind of understand how bones are made and their processes. That way you can understand how fractures are made and healed and, and it'll make more sense, trust me. Let's just talk about bones just a little bit more and we'll get there. So what's the best way to describe bones themselves? They are a rigid organ system because remember your bones are actually alive. They are living organisms inside your body that provide support, protect, and help with movement and store energy in the body. They are made mostly of calcium phosphate and calcium gluconate. And this, along with other minerals, gives them that big, strong strength that they have. Because remember, bones ounce per ounce are actually stronger than most steels. So with this power and strength that the bones have, it gives us so much support. Now, your body is split into two portions as far as your skeletal system. You have your axial skeleton, meaning the central part of it, the skull, the spine, the ribs, and then your appendicular skeleton, which is like your arms and your legs and your pelvis. But even though it's split up into these two divisions, the general construction of your bones are all the same. Bones have a very dense outside, and this is called compact bone. And it's made of these osteons. And the osteon sites, these cells, are very vascularized. There's blood veins and arteries and capillaries and nerves that run through these osteons. And think of it like a tree trunk. There's rings and rings and rings. And it builds the same way. And these compact bones are compact together to create the rigidity. So when you think of bones and their hardness, think of the compact bone on the outside. Now, bones generally, as you tell, are very many different shapes, but they still have a head to them and a body to them. And inside the heads of these bones is the spongy bone. And spongy bone is very important to it because that, for one, is where the bone marrow, the red bone marrow is located and your red blood cells are made, but also gives a little bit of flexibility to your bones. Because even though it's really nice to have them very rigid and strong is what we want, they need to have some kind of flexibility to them still. And able to twist and bend with these bones makes them less likely to break. So having that spongy bone that allows some shock to be absorbed is great to have. And then after that, especially in your long bones, like your femur, your humerus, there's a medullar cavity, and this is in the shaft of it. And this is where that adipose tissue or the fat sites are stored as in yellow bone marrow, so that we can release them later for energy when we need them. And, and we use fatty tissue for more than just energy storage. I mean, you have a phospholipid bilayer on most of your cells that make it hydrophobic so that it protects things crossing from inside and outside of your cell. So we use fats for more than just energy. It's great to have it in our body. Just as most of us can agree, we just don't need it hanging off our body. So Fats we do need, but not in excess. So besides those osteons or the osteocytes that make up the compact bone and inside the bone, we have something called osteoclasts and osteoblasts. And these are very important for bone development. And for many of us, we don't know that our bones are constantly rebuilding and breaking themselves down over time. We'll go through an entire new skeleton every eight to 10 years because our body breaks it and rebuilds so much. So we have osteoblasts, which are the builder cells. These actually use phosphorus, calcium, collagen, and other minerals, and they build the bone back up when they're damaged or just replacing old bone. So these cells are super important to our bone structure. And we also have osteoclasts, which are used for breaking down bone. Because if you had broken bone that isn't as effective, it's nice to have osteoclasts that break down the bone. They shoot an enzyme that catabolizes these reactions that some of these compounds are held together with and allows it to release so we can start rebuilding the bones again. So it's important to have both osteoblasts and osteoclasts 
for both breaking down old bone and regenerating and building stronger new ones. So now that you all are experts, we can hit the ground running on fractures because that's the best part we can talk about. Fractures are super cool. They're not fun to have, but they're super cool to talk about. So how do you really define a fracture? A fracture is a complete or partial break in the bones in your body. And this can be due to trauma or overuse and abuse of bones or poor nutrition, or it can be just due to a disease process that you have. So there's many things that can cause a fracture, but you definitely are uncomfortable when you have one. Because like I said, you have nerves, you have blood vasculature that runs through that. So your body's going to let you know they're vital to our body system. Plus, you have something that's now that was supporting, not supporting your body as well. So the body wants you to know something isn't right. So the first thing you have to understand is we have many different ways to describe how fractures are developed in the body because your bones are in different shapes and sizes as we talked about. So they fracture differently in the shapes and sizes that they are. So the first way we kind of describe fractures is whether it's displaced or undisplaced. And an undisplaced fracture, think of a pencil that you're kind of working with and it just cracks, but it doesn't fully break. So you have a crack inside of it. This is a undisplaced fracture. Now take that pencil in both hands and snap it right in half. Now you have a displaced fracture. You have two whole new pieces and they're separate from themselves. And that's the first way we describe a fracture. Next is how the fracture is positioned. So if it runs horizontal with the bone, meaning you have two heads and in the middle it runs opposite of the top and bottom, this is a traverse. If it runs linear, meaning along the line of the bone, that is a linear fracture. And then we have oblique. And oblique always means an angle. So think of the fracture running angled on the bone. Now that you kind of understand how the fracture lines are exhibited, now we can actually talk about the types of fractures because depending on the type of trauma or the positioning of how the bone was broken, it gives us a degree of understanding of what caused the damage to the bone. So kind of two twisting ones are like a spiral fracture. You can actually see the spiral twisting of the fracture. A green stick fracture isn't a complete open fracture, but it it gives a idea of a twisting or pulling motion on the bone. This is the most common one seen in child abuse. You can also have a compressive fracture where the bones are actually compressed and flattened and widened in a certain spot where the bone was actually crushed. Another type of fracture is a commuted fracture. And this is where the bones actually break into like two or three pieces. And this is definitely with high velocity impacts and traumas, mostly seen in car accidents. It takes a lot of pressure to make a bone break in that many pieces. Also, depending on where the location of the fracture is, you have something called an avulsion fracture. Let's just take an idea of the acetabulum on the femur bone. This is where the bone connects from the femur into the joint of the hip. And this ball and socket joint, if that was to break in an incomplete or complete fracture, this is an avulsion fracture. And these are very, very painful. And it will require surgery to fix it because you have to remember bones are part of the body and there's also ligaments attached to them so if this bone part especially joints like that break or attachments where ligaments are this makes it incredibly hard to move that area and finally if you have an open fracture or a closed fracture and a closed fracture is it contained inside the skin once it breaks through the skin like a bone sticking out through it especially with big fractures and big bones this is called an open fracture and they're very very painful and this is the ones that make a lot of people queasy when they see them. So that's kind of your basic rundown of all your fractures. So this is a common question, but what are good signs of having a fracture? So the first one is numbness or tingling to the area, or it could be extremely painful just depending on the fracture itself. But you could have some numbness in the area because those nerve endings inside the bone broke. 
The next one is definitely swelling and inflammation. If you have a broken bone, remember you have vasculature in there and your body's going to be going in overdrive trying to stop the inflammation process. So you're going to have a lot of inflammation and swelling in the area. And depending on how the bone breaks, you could have a deformity even. So, and that will definitely be pain or, pain or tenderness to it. So there's definitely some inflammation and swelling. So depending on where you have the fracture too, you could have the inability to actually bear any weight or use that appendage. So depending on how you fracture, it could be very painful to even try to stand on a leg or an ankle or a foot. It could be hard to push up or pull if you have a fracture anywhere in your arm or back. Um, another great sign is your inability to actually move that part of your appendage, especially if you have an avulsion fracture like we talked about, that ligament isn't attached anymore. Because again, if your muscles have nothing attached to you, they just contract and flex and there's nothing that actually happens because they have no anchor point to that spot anymore. So the inability to bear weight or even use the appendage could be a good sign. And finally, I know it's kind of a no brainer, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If you have an open fracture, and you can physically see the bone. That's probably an excellent sign that you broke that bone. So what's the first thing you do when you have a fracture? You got to go get checked out, folks. You're going to have to have an x-ray. You're going to have to have medical treatment because bones, even though they do heal on themselves, some of them and most of them have to be set back. So if your bone isn't set back where it needs to be, the bone's going to heal improperly. Think about when you break your pencil and you try taping it back together, how loose it is or it's bent and misshapen. This is exactly what happens to your bones if they're not set properly. Because even if they're not set properly, they may heal a little bit and then you have a high chance of re-breaking that bone. So it's very important, especially with a lot of these long bones and any other bones, it's great to seek medical attention. You're going to need x-rays. You're going to have to be evaluated by the doctor. So if you have an idea that you broke your bone, I mean, obviously a finger, a thumb, these probably can be treated with regular medical supervision and not an ER visit or an urgent care visit, but a large bone that's broken, especially hip fractures, back fractures, long bones that are in the arms and legs, these have to be medically treated. Because again, it's going to be painful too. You're going to need some supportive services, whether it's pain medication, you're going to need a cast. You're gonna, if it's bad enough, you're going to need surgery to repair the bone. So it's very important to seek medical attention with these broken bones, especially with joints that if you have an avulsion fraction, they're going to need to replace that joint. And hip fractures, shoulder fractures, anything like that, these are very vital bones. They're large. They can cause a ton of bleeding even too. So it's very important, especially if you need pins or rods or screws that can hold these bones together while they heal. Folks, if you think you broke your leg or your arm, oh, head injuries too, please seek the medical attention. Don't wait the day or two because there's only so much time before they actually have to re-break the bone. Bones start healing very rapidly. So it's very good to get those bones set and back in place before because most bones heal within the first six weeks. So let's just say, Tommy J, I went to the doctor. They said I had a broken bone. We got x-rays. I got it set. What the heck am I supposed to do now? Remember, your body needs rest, especially with an injury of that severity. So definitely stay off that leg. Yes, it's going to atrophy. Yes, the bone's going to be still pretty weak over time. But eventually, you'll get stronger and you can start using that limb or whatever body part was hurt initially. So most important thing is rest and give that bone the time it needs to heal. Because like we said, it takes time, but it does heal itself. Next, definitely take pain medication if you need it. If you need Tylenol, any of the NSAIDs, over-the-counters, these are great pain relievers. 
Um, depending on how large your fracture is, I guarantee that your doctor's not going to let you go home alone without something that's going to adequately cover your pain. Another type of therapy, especially with very high impact traumas that cause the bones to break severely, could be traction. And this is a type of weight assisted holding of the legs and bones to keep them aligned or up in a certain position so they can heal properly. So maintaining that traction, if it is required, is also very important. We see this a lot in our trauma unit. Some other things you can do is make sure you have a high protein diet. We kind of talked about this with our trauma episodes. It just make sure you have a high protein because a lot of the healing process requires a large amount of protein because you're rebuilding cells again, remember? So having a high protein diet, especially in the healing process phase, this is a great addition to the healing process. So another thing you do is take some calcium. I mean, if you get about 1,000 milligrams of calcium a day, this is actually about the daily requirement that you need. This will really help with your bone development, especially if you take other minerals as well. But this will make sure that you get that strong strength to your bones back. It's very vital for bone development. And with calcium, you also need vitamin D. And remember, you get a lot of vitamin D from the sun. Just even in 15 minutes with sunlight hitting your skin, you get a lot of vitamin D. And vitamin D helps calcium being utilized. So make sure you're getting plenty of vitamin D with that calcium. Another thing you do is take some vitamin C because vitamin C helps you make collagen. And I can't believe I even forgot to talk about this. Collagen is the number one building block for bones because it makes up 90% of the proteins in your body. So having collagen is super important. I can't believe I even forgot to talk about this. It drives me nuts sometimes. But hey, there's so much the bones, you're going to miss something. But collagen is a super important protein. It pretty much gives the framework for calcium and all these other strong minerals to build the foundation on. So with, I mean, you could take collagen supplements too, but I mean, vitamin C is great for making your own production of collagen in the body. And finally, just have a good diet overall. If you give your body what it needs to develop, it's going to heal a lot faster. And that includes not binging with alcohol because alcohol actually can soften your bones. And this leads to osteoporosis. We see this a lot with alcoholism. So try to stay from over binging alcohol during this time period because it really can soften the bones and inhibit your healing process. So here's some interesting facts I want you to know, though, about fractures. The first one is hip fractures. These are super dangerous, especially in the elderly. Did you know that one in three individuals over 50 who display a hip fracture within one year will die? And it's an incredible statistic because it actually goes up with age. So understand this. Hip fractures are detrimental to the population over 50. So if you have a hip fracture, seek medical attention as soon as possible. It is a very, very dangerous thing to have, especially in the elderly. Second thing is, I know it may seem like a good idea, especially with young children, to take them to the chiropractor to have some manipulation if they're having some pain or just to overall heal them. But remember this, Children are developing all the way up until 25 years of age, especially their bone age and density. So all this manipulation and cracking is terrible for their skeletal system. And don't get me wrong, chiropractic is great. It's, I love it too, even with a spinal adjustment. But there's a lot of things that they claim that any of this bone manipulation can do for your body, and it just isn't true. 
especially in these small children. Unless there's something else being recommended, you shouldn't be having your child manipulated in these positions because I'm telling you, it is terrible for the bone structure. There's still a lot of cartilage even on these bones and cartilage is not as tough as bone. It hasn't developed yet. So it's it's not as rigid. It's much more flexible, can bend and break much more easy. So be kind and try not to take your children to the chiropractor unless it's recommended by your physician. The last thing is, does cracking your knuckles and other joints actually lead to arthritis? And the simple answer is, there isn't enough data to support that. So you have synovial joints in between a lot of your highly movable areas in your body and your fingers and your shoulders and your arms. And this fluid protects that bone on bone from rubbing. And what their idea is, because honestly, it's a phenomenon that they just don't really understand yet, is nitrogen is being pulled in and because of the negative pressure from manipulation of that joint and it causes that cracking pop noise. So unless it causes actual physical pain when you crack and it actually sounds like it and you can feel it, you have nerve tingling, things like that. It's really not going to hurt you. But if you have that actual nerve pain, cracking, and it hurts, you can't move, that's something else. But the typical cracking that you hear when you crack your knuckles or someone gets their neck manipulated or their back manipulated, that synovial cavity, that fluid just popping, that has not been shown actually in clinical data to cause arthritis. Wow, that went by fast. So... I could pretty much talk about bones all day long, but I won't go any farther than that. So if you have questions, if you have comments, you have concerns about fractures, or you just want to keep continuing the conversation, hit me up on social media. I'd love to talk to you. Or if you have more information you want to share with me, do it. I want to hear it. I want to hear from you guys. All right. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you all stay addicted to your health and have an awesome day. I'm signing out.